Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, Dolly Parton would never get a job with us. Working nine to five just doesn't cut it this week. Rumors over the weekend were confirmed via Google Translate that news of Zurich's demise were just a case of schadenfreude. And if that wasn't enough, we were swatting late into the night for the biggest test we've seen in years. And it's more good news for the industry with Allianz, AIG and QBE making positive announcements. Hello everyone. On our panel today are Night Owler Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, Multilinguistic Editor John Deeks, and Gossip Columnist and Chairman Terry McMullen. Good morning, Terry. Morning. Your web of contacts proved to be quite useful this week, it seems. Uh, yes, yes, yes. My, my, my deep throat friends, yes. <laughs> Hello, John. Hello. Can you tell me the name of the German magazine you've been reading? <laughs> in, in German? Yes, please. Okay. I'll have a go. I did do GCSE German and I got an A, so I might have a chance. Here we go. Versicherungswirtschaft heute. Fantastic. I couldn't have done it better myself. Well, I couldn't have done it myself, so that's why I asked you. And hello, Wendy. Good morning. Wendy, what's your trick for staying up late and analysing legal commentary? Oh, uh, lots of coffee. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, look, this week has uh, really started with a bang. As I mentioned at the start, Wendy, you were working late on Monday as the appeal decision on the second business interruption test case came in. What was the ruling? Well, it was a, it was a good outcome for the insurers. Um, the uh, full court on the uh, main issues really upheld the original judgment. So there were 10 cases heard in the test case and five were appealed. The full court has now come down favour again, largely on the side of the insurers in these matters. Um, and in addition to that, there was the Star Entertainment Group had appealed a, a decision that had gone in favour of the uh, insurers and the full court also dismissed the, the Star's um, math case. So uh, that also was in favour of the insurers. So there were a few things that uh, went uh, in the favour of uh, policyholders, but they they sort of have to establish cover in the first case and then they might get the, more of the benefit of these other things. But, I mean, everyone's still going through the decision, um, so it's sort of early days, but that's kind of a, a, a first, the first uh, impression, if you like. All right. So, it, yeah, as you say, it's early days. But, John, what does this mean in practice? Well, in practice, it means that for now, at least, most claims won't be paid. Affected businesses were given some hope by their victory in test case one, which, if you recall, meant that insurers can't rely on outdated exclusions referring to the now repealed Quarantine Act. But if there was no cover in the first place, the insurers don't need that exclusion anyway. So yesterday's decision really trumps that first case. There's still a 28-day period for parties to apply for special leave to appeal to the High Court. So there's still a glimmer of hope for claimants, but it's certainly fading. Of course, while the test cases have tried to cover off all the main issues, every policy and set of circumstances can be different. So there might still be some successful claims out there. For insurers, it could mean that some of the provisions they made for BI claims can be reclaimed, but the industry is remaining cautious at this point. It's certainly not over yet. Thank you, John, for reminding me what the first test case was. That was going to be a question. Wendy, why is this different to the UK ruling? Well, one of the big issues is just that um, at the time when a lot of these cases were brought, you know, Australia actually had very few COVID cases out in the community, whereas at the same time in um, the UK, you know, it was really rampant. 
And then the way in which our government system works is quite different in terms of those um, lockdown orders and various restrictions. You know, we have multiple levels of government and, and, and the, the system is, is different. And then in addition to that, you do have um, uh, policy wording differences. So it was not sort of just a case of translating what happened to the UK and sort of putting it over here. Terry, what do you think will happen now? I have no idea. I guess there there is the option to go to to take things to the High Court. I just wonder if, if everybody's determination is, is sort of falling apart a bit now. I think the insurers have probably got the the best decisions that uh, they possibly can. I, d- I don't know really whether it's worthwhile taking it any further. Well, we had two breaking news hit on Monday, the test case results, but also some further developments on the Zurich sale, John. Yes, we did. As we've spoken about previously on this podcast, there have been a number of media reports in recent weeks and months suggesting that Zurich is looking to sell its Australian general insurance operations, minus travel. Suncorp, Chubb, QBE and many others have been listed as potential purchasers as an auction process apparently was progressing to the second stage. But we're hearing that if there was a sale process underway, and Zurich have never confirmed that, there isn't any more. And Group CEO Mario Greco has been quoted as saying that he intends to hold on to the Australian assets. So as our headline on Monday said, Zurich Australia apparently is not for sale. So is the deal dead in the water now, Terry? Yeah, I suppose so. Hard to tell if there was ever a deal there, really, Andrew. Of course, I'm sure there was. Uh, Zurich's Australia operations, one of many Zurich possessions around the world. And I guess comparing the local operations with with some of the the, uh, assets it has in places like the US and Europe, really, it's pretty small. So I, I guess you'd have to say there's always going to be strategies being examined to extract maximum value. It, it's not personal, it's business. And Mario Greco, the, the global CEO, has previously stressed the need to streamline operations. And they've always certainly been very tough on their local CEOs. There have been so many of them. But, but Zurich's been in Australia for 61 years, and it's an important part of the local commercial insurance market. And uh, it looks like you know, really, it's it's certainly its future is a little bit more assured. There is any 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 impact coming from all of this? You'd have to think there would be a, a fair bit of uncertainty among employees after something like this plays out. Managers wouldn't have been able to talk to their people about it in any real terms while it went on, and they were reading stuff in newspapers, etc., and on insurance news. And brokers are also going to need to be reassured that nothing's changed, their client's cover isn't going to end up with another insurer. That certainty and when nobody knows what the rationale for a sale was can be damaging. So whether or not Zurich was ever really for sale or was just being put on display for potential buyers to come in and kick the tyres, the company is really going to have to look at re-establishing itself in the market as a strong and reliable partner for brokers and clients, one one that's, you know, here for the future. Well, another insurer news, um, QBE was the latest listed insurer to report its results. How did they stuck up, Wendy? Well, they had a much better performance compared to uh, a year ago. You know, they uh, reported a $750 million net profit, uh, which turned around a previous $1.5 billion loss. And 
it was, you know, really driven by a strong GWP growth. And that was, um, you know, with on price and retention and, and new business. But like the other insurers, the, the catastrophe losses were again higher and the, um, the uh, investment um, income was again lower. But, um, you know, this was the first uh, result under new CEO Andrew Horton. So um, he's, off to a, he's off to a good start. Terry, do you see a change under the approach under Andrew Horton? I, I certainly think there's more clarity. He's focused really, and, and he said he will, and he seems to be doing it, reducing balance sheet volatility, which has been a real problem for uh, QBE over a, a very long period. He's talking about simplifying processes, the need for innovation, and they're hinting also at taking big decisions on technology. He he seems determined to to pull these far-flung operations into a more cohesive whole. Being clear about what you want to do is good for everyone, including your employees, but putting it all together and making it happen is where the real hard work comes in, and they seem to have made a pretty good start under Andrew Horton. Well, there was also good news for AIG and Allianz, wasn't there? Yeah, you better answer that. John, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, yes, there was. Uh, so Allianz uh, results were, were were strong and they actually pointed to the Australian property and casualty business as being a key contributor to those good results. Uh, in Australia, the operating profit more than doubled last year to 307 million euros. AIG, as you say, were pretty pleased as well, lifting overall net income for the three months to December to 3.74 billion US dollars. We don't have any indication of the local business performance with AIG, however. Well, Wendy, you've been tracking the progress of the Cyclone reinsurance pool and our analysis this week revisits some key issues. Tell us what's everyone screaming at the government, Jerry Maguire style? Well, unfortunately, at that point, our podcast software crashed. So you missed out on Wendy explaining to the point that even I understood the issues and concerns the industry has with reinsurance modelling. John then went into further detail about when the government expected to have the modelling ready, July this year. I recommend you read this week's analysis section for more detail on that. Finally, I asked John to run through the highlights of last week's second edition of The Broker, our new information service for the intermediary sector. And Terry waxed lyrical on the increasing issue with underinsurance and what brokers are doing to combat that. That brought us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. I'd like to thank our panel, John Deeks, Terry McMullen and Wendy Pugh. Uh, unfortunately, you didn't get 100% of them this week. No fault of their own. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.